brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by Mindful Meds. You guys have been seeing me take Mindful Meds for a little while now. Mindful Meds is a premium supplement company dedicated to supplying humans with the tools to improve their mental health, clarity, and performance, all while supporting their growth along the way. Whether it's the Immunity Blend, Lion's Mane, Inspire, or Voyage, all of their products are clean, tested, consistent, and they've become a huge help in my life. I found Mindful Meds over a year ago now, and I've never looked back. Go check out their website, mindfulmeds.io, and use the code BRASS at checkout. Brady from Go Fast, Don't Die is here. And I think everybody thought that the first Brady I would have on the show would be my husband. But it turns out, joke's on you, hun. We have another Brady on the show. Hey, dude, how you doing? Your husband's name is Brady? My husband's name is Brady. Oh, my gosh. I love him. We, we There's not many of us. There's not a lot of you guys, which is really funny that you say that. Because when I met him, I didn't know how... Like, I didn't know any Brady's. I, it's it's a funny name. I just never heard it. It makes sense. It definitely lends itself to a certain type of person, though. That's for damn sure. I think I could, there's, it's a certain type of person. And it definitely leans towards that go fast style of human being, which is ironic because you're the co-founder of Go Fast, Don't Die. Yeah. 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 There's a certain type of Brady. I've mm-hmm. had to, I've actually had to, uh, so in Wyoming, there's like nine people, which is where I'm from. <laughs> There's like nine people who live in Wyoming, period. And yeah. I heard of a guy named Brady over the mountain who is being a dick. <laughs> and I was like, I have to go, I have to go change his name. This unchecked aggression will not stand, man. You know, it's really funny. A buddy of mine, um, I'm going to make sure he watches this episode, but he lives in Wyoming. Burt Coons, I'm calling you out, homie, because you, 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 you let everybody think you live in Montana and everyone moves to Montana near Andy. But no, everyone is moving to near you, Bert, in Wyoming. That's actually, I got to correct you there. Bert does live in Montana. Oh, is that? Oh, oh yeah. Is that what it is? Okay, yeah. cool. Bert he, lives in Montana. He comes down to Wyoming pretty often, but he, you know, nobody wants to live in Wyoming. And and Bert's a, he's a man of very specific taste. Yes. Um, you know, you can't live in Wyoming. You can live in Montana and visit Wyoming, which is a beautiful oh. thing to do. Living okay. in Wyoming. It's treacherous. I don't know. Have you ever seen his house? Bert's house? Yeah. Yeah, I've been to Montana. Yeah. <laughs> I go up there. Yeah, I go up there. He's got his little cabin in the woods. Yeah. I go up there to the 406. Yeah, I love I love it so much. He sends me photos and he's like, shut your mouth about where I live. And I'm like, I'm going to troll you for life. Yeah, Bert's a good friend of mine. I love that guy. I love that. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend of mine as well. I love him very much. 
Bert was on the podcast at the very beginning of our, um, of when we were kind of starting the show and I asked him as, Hey, you know, I really like what you, you did on, um, selection. And it was really funny too. Cause I remember sitting there watching selection with my husband and my husband always would be like, how real, like what they're doing, how real is it? How, how authentic is it? And I was like, you know, I don't know. I don't know those guys, but I don't know them off when they're not being seals or Rangers or green Braves. I don't know them how to, I mean, how many is he, how many years has it been since that came out? Now Bert's a good friend and Marcus Capone is the guy who reviewed my book. He's a good friend. So it's like, I, I, it's funny to watch how this path goes and how you kind of connect with different people over the world and how all of a sudden the world is about this tiny little thing. And everybody is so much more connected than they realize and they want to admit. And that goes back to the, that whole saying that we are all connected. We are all unified in some way, shape or form. It's like that, uh, Somebody made a joke to me the other day. You'll appreciate it. And it was, that was like seven degrees of kept seven degrees to Kevin Bacon. You ever heard that saying? It's like seven degrees. It's basically like seven degrees of separation. Like Kevin yeah, Bacon no, is in everything. So that was apparently the joke that was given to me tear. That's your fault if it sucked. Um, but it was funny to me when I, when I heard that, I thought it was quite comical, but it seems like you and I know a lot of people together. There's a lot of overlap, a lot of connection. And I think that is because of your company and your brand and what that stands for. So I'd love to talk about how you developed this, why you named it, what you named it and where it's kind of going now. Yeah. Well, the brand is called go fast. Don't die. Um, the name came from, I was married and my um, I still call her mom, but, uh, but my, the artist formerly known as my mother-in-law, um, she used to say that. I just remember like, you know, I can remember her saying that me and Gus were like, <laughs> we're in Sturgis, the time that I remember. And it's very possible that I like have made up this thing in my head. Right. But I remember very vividly this made up scenario where we were riding away from our little campground in Sturgis, South Dakota. So we live, you know, three hours, three and a half hours from there. And their family was very big into motorcycles. And so we're riding away. And instead of saying, you know, have fun, be safe, whatever, she said, go fast, don't die. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's, that's cool. You know, and at the time we had a, we had a marketing uh, agency in Wyoming, still do. Um, but I had uh, a designer of ours, Dan. I was like, hey, can you make a logo for this? And he did a couple of like different variations and nothing was really happening at that time uh, with it. It was just like for fun, you know, it was just cool. And so made a logo, um, PJ printed a shirt and it was like, this is so cool. This is a real thing, you know? And, and it was a while from then to actually launching the brand, you know, um, it just sort of existed amongst us. It was just a fun thing amongst people but yeah that's where that kind of came from and started well there's definitely a lot more to that i i'm you know that's a i love how uh cinematic you made that like driving away riding away on the motorcycles and so just runs out on the porch with like a little thing in her hands like go fast don't die like you know yeah, that yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it was i wasn't me being a uh yeah what that was no there was no creativity and then i'm just telling the the sequence of events no, I love that. I think that's amazing. That just shows how meant to be. It, it really is. If that's truly how it went down, which is fantastic. But I heard about you guys through a mutual friend, uh, Ryan Kilby and Victoria. I just 
choose not to say her name because I'm sure she would prefer me not to. Um, McMoria. And, <laughs> McMoria. And she, uh, she said to me, Hey, like, I know you like Lords and I know you're into that kind of stuff. He's like, she's like, have you ever heard of this brand before? And I said, no, I haven't. And then she said, Brady. And I whipped my head around and I was like, Brady doesn't own that brand. She's like, no, 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 Brady, my friend, Brady. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, so we got into it. We started diving through and I, I love the concept of it. It's a very community-based sort of company. And I think that's why I was so attracted to it. I love community-based anything. If somebody is trying to help their space, whatever it may be, if it is beneficial to them and they find that it is helping those around them, it, whether it's a t-shirt brand, a coffee company, um, ammunition company, whatever it is, if it's working and it is creating community, I am all for it. And so I started to dive in a little bit more to what you guys do. And I, I'd love to talk about um, your life prior to that, because I think there is reasons why you were drawn towards certain groups of people and, and certain activities. And I, and I would love to touch base. So I don't know how far back you're comfortable with going, but I mean, do you come from a family that likes motorcycles? Is that something for you that's always been on the table? Yeah. So all the way back to here I am. Thanks for the ride. <laughs> Mom. I'm into the world's ride out here. Who are you a doctor? Uh, <laughs> why do you have scissors? Um, fast forward a little, uh, my grandpa, he had a motorcycle. So my grandpa was uh, a pilot. He was a pilot in the air force. Um, and he had a Harley Sportster in the garage mm -hmm. and I wasn't allowed to, it's like, don't touch it. Don't go close to it. You know, cause like I was a hellion when I was a kid and, and I was pretty good at causing trouble. Um, so that was just, it was off the table. Don't go near the Harley Davidson. So it was one of those things. I have an Andy's Mint story. It's very similar. It's funny when you're coming up and you're, you're told like, hey, don't touch that. You're like, whoa, that must I'm gonna be. touch it. That must be something special, dude. I'm definitely going to touch it. But I'm gonna be <laughs> careful, you know? And, uh, you know, it was a sportster. And, and uh, you know, like now, like people know the sportster is sort of like, it's sort of looked at as an intro bike, you know, it's kind of the, the, the starter Harley. Um, I don't think of it that way, but a lot of people do. Um, actually, man, I'm, I'm, you're going to learn this. I'm very good at like, here's one story, but there's a thousand stories in between. We Tell me all the stories. Often never get to the end of it. So I, uh, well, yeah, one time I was at JNP Cycles in Dallas. They're like corporate headquarters. JNP Cycles is a a uh, company that has motorcycle parts and there's some friends of mine i went down there went to the the hq and it's just like you know it's just a corporate office but i got a ride out there from the uber driver and the uber driver is hilarious this dude drove like a brand new malibu <laughs> uh, but he was this you know your quintessential biker brother you know he had his he had his vest on with the little tenders <laughs> you know because he grew outgrew his vest and he's he's driving this Chevy Malibu and I like get in with a coffee he's like hey I don't allow drinks and I'm like you are the funniest dude like this is awesome I love being in the world I'm like he's like I'll let you drink it but don't spill it in my car so <laughs> I got a lid like we're cool and then and then he's like he's like so where are you going like what what is this out here and I'm like oh it's JMP Cycles and he's like he's like no there's a JMP Cycles in Daytona and Sturgis, you know, he knows the whole thing. I'm like, well, you know, the CMO of 
JP invited me out to give me this address. So I think I'm going to JP Cycles. Like, I don't think it's a retail store. He's like, no, there's no JP Cycles out here, brother, brother, brother. You know, gives me the whole thing. And uh, and then he so he says, What kind of bikes do you have? I was like, well, I have a few bikes. I have a, a Sportster. And like I start going down the list, and he's like, he's like, Sportster, like, that's a girl's bike. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's not. You like I love sportsters. I race sportsters, like bikes are awesome it's, a, mm-hmm. it's an amazing bike for anyone i i just like if there's a bike in the apocalypse hmm, if, if, I, if I had a road bike in the apocalypse i think i'd take a sports because they're just bulletproof and blah 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 but he goes no th- those were specifically designed for a woman and i was like that just isn't true <laughs> but anyway it's funny my buddy uh my buddy patrick who works at jp he loves that story so much that is time. a good story because there, there's this perception, right, that uh, women have to ride a certain type of vehicle, a certain type of bike, a certain type of everything. Oh, they're made for women. Gear that's made for women. Well, I'll tell you right now, I've I've used gear that's made for women. Most of the time, it's horrible because it's not made for women. I don't know what woman you're measuring, but it, that is not made for a woman. And also, sidebar, is that why there's chains on people's vests? They've outgrown yes. their I never knew. Either. I never knew either. I was like, that's like the, it's like a fashion statement, you know, no, these guys get extenders because, you know, they, they buy the brother vest when they're real, real talk. If whoever's listening to this, when you're 30 and maybe you're past 30, if, the, if so, the time is now you're expired, go and buy yourself a suit and spend an uncomfortable amount of money on it. Mm-hmm. And if you need to get yourself in shape and then buy yourself an, a, a suit when you get yourself like, damn, I look good. I am right. proper. This is where I belong. Buy yourself a suit, spend an uncomfortable amount of money and stay that size. Or the biker brother uh, version of it is go buy yourself a vest and do not buy the chain extenders. That's interesting. I, I think they just extend it to uh, so they can stay in their vest. They got all their patches. You know, I rode mine to 91, 92, 93, 94. They got all the things. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. I get it. I've just never heard that before. I... I come from a family that has always rode bikes, always had Harleys, always, always. And then my, my brother, my brother rides as well. My parents just sold their bikes. They're like, you know, they're at that point where like, they just sold them, you know, it's just safer that way. So they're, they're doing their thing with their side-by-sides and all of it. But bikes were a big part of my, a big part of my life. I, I remember riding to school or going to Taekwondo on the back of my mom's Harley I'd have my gear bag on my lap like this. Dad would put the seat up. Her mom would put the, the back up, the backrest. And I would ride that to school. I'd ride it to Taekwondo. I would ride it everywhere. And bikes were a big part of my life. I never understood the idea of wanting to ride one on the road only because anytime I ever saw somebody on the road, I'm like, yeah, I just like my face, life, and organs far too much, nor do I trust the drivers around me to be near me when I'm on something that doesn't have a roll cage. And so I just never, I never picked it up. I always wanted to get the bike license just to have it, just to be able to use it. But I switched and did moto instead. And, you know, that's obviously far more, arguably far more dangerous, but I I never got on the road personally, my whole family, everyone else, but I never, I never got on a bike that way. I think moto is more consistently dangerous, but with less like lower stakes, you know, like you're going to crash a lot. Mm-hmm. You're going to go down a lot, all that. You're going to break your collarbone. You're going to mm-hmm. do all this stuff. But like, you know, riding a Harley in LA or Vancouver or anywhere might kill you. 
you know, when, when that goes wrong, it usually go, it can go really well. Well, and that's it. You see, I, I remember my dad telling me a story when he was younger, he got his first bike, he was on the road, he was like 18, 19, and somebody ran a red light and clipped him and he flew. And fortunately he lived, but I mean, he's got damage from the, for the rest of his existence. And now we understand uh, by we, I mean, my family and others who care about their heads understand how easy it just takes that to cause a minor TBI in the brain. So the idea of getting on any of those things nowadays, just, just like, I don't trust society enough to be on the road with those at all. My, most of my concussions, well, man, I've had too many concussions. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, when I knocked myself out on riding dirt bikes in uh, swing arm city, I like, I was like riding down this hill. Um, have you ever heard of swing arm city? Yep. In Utah. Um, so, you know, there's these massive, it looks like the moon and there's these massive hills mm -hmm. and, and uh, massive just spines and and so i'm i'm just riding down one just very casually there's like it's like down but then there's like a little rock cliff kind of thing and then drop and then the bottom but as far as i'm going like all i can see is straight down yeah so I'm going you know i'm i'm gunning it down and just flew off this cliff and so basically like just rode straight into the ground from like 12 feet Ooh. and it like knocked my helmet off i was unconscious for like probably I don't know, a few minutes, like of snoring, you know, Ooh. crazy. Like there, there's actually footage of it because we were shooting something and someone had, a, uh, Thomas had a camera. You have footage of that? Yeah. Send. So the footage is, uh, the footage is weird. And actually like a few, few people, people that care, <laughs> care about me, you know, like I would never show it to my mom, you know, yeah. um, they watch that and they're like, I don't ever want to look at that again, even though it's, it's gross. Like, I'm like, it's whatever, but it's like, I don't know, it's the real deal. But so my, when I went off the cliff, it, um, you know, my helmet was on and then like a bunch of dust and, and, mm -hmm. and dust jumps up and then my helmet's off and I'm laying there. I just shaved a wicked mustache. So at least I dressed the part. I got ready for it. <laughs> I had this big beard, you know, and then I cut this mustache, which I don't ever, I don't remember doing. I, I, I forgot the entire like two weeks after that. I sold a motorcycle actually. So the motorcycle that I had just, I went to Arizona and I bought a motorcycle, this dual sport bike, so I could ride with my buddy Jeff. Do you know Jeff? He's from Vancouver. Jeff Moore. Jeff Moore. Yes, I do. Yeah, he's one of my Yes, I do. In the whole world, dude. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, he had a dual sport bike and he kind of like, kind of started that with a bunch of like a bunch of us went to you know the first time that I went to Mexico Jeff came and he had this triumph and he had like this like these antlers attached to it and just said war on the side you know that dude, <laughs> an eclectic freaking weirdo dude I love him um and uh, anyway I bought this bike for like 1200 bucks just so I could ride it with him and then we rode it up to Utah and I was like I don't know what's gonna happen with this bike it's a dr650 so it's probably gonna go forever but maybe it'll die either way let's go have an adventure and then i sold it and then like six months later dude i sold it to comes back with the bike like shows up i'm like hey that's my bike i forgot until just now but that's oh my, wow. that's my bike and he's like you sold it to me remember and i'm like no He's like, oh, yeah, you don't remember anything from that time. He's like, yeah, it was when you got your concussion and then you, you sold me the bike because you broke, I broke my collarbone as well. He's yep. like, so 
you're not going to need a bike anytime soon. So you sold me the bike. I was like, well, how much did I sell it to you for? And he's like 1300 bucks or something. And I'm like, well, how'd you pay me? He's like, don't you remember you had to download Zelle and do all the stuff? Cause I didn't have the whatever to pay him. And then I'm like, no, I don't obviously like, I don't remember anything. So then I go and like, look at Zelle and there's a pending transaction for $1,300 that I had just had to hit like, and I boom, 1300 bucks. I was like, this is a cool day, man. I wonder what else, <laughs> wonder what else I did in that two weeks. That uh... Oh, that's rough though, man. Because then you're realizing like, that if you go and you hit your head and then you struggle to remember or you cannot remember, dude, you need to get that checked long term because the damage that probably debt that did to you. Oh, I know. I know. Oh. I I don't Kelsey, it's actually like on a real note, like it's actually a, I forget stuff. Like I I forget things, you know, I'm like in the and, and I have like truly if you want to know about me, I have like really good intentions pretty mm -hmm. much all of the time, except for sometimes in jujitsu, most of the time, really good intentions, right? Um, but just like dog shit execution. Oh, too, too much of the time. And it's because when I say it, I'm in, but five it. minutes later, I'm like in another, on another planet, you know, I've got mm. ADHD exacerbated like severe adhd exacerbated by a bunch of concussions and a million things going on so i'm not a fan of myself in that in that regard I'm working on it that's okay though because that gives you the fact that you're aware of it gives you the opportunity to go and correct it and fix it and improve it and work on it so that's the biggest step that is the biggest step, right? Knowing that your dog shit at something, but you don't want to stay that way, but you know that you want to get better. So then how do we help you do that? How do we help you get better? Number one, after this, we're going to talk about the TBI stuff. And we're going to try to get you a place to go and get some help. That's something we can do. Number two, we're going to work on you in saying that I have ADD and ADHD. I struggle with that. Here's why. Most of us do. We only got that diagnosis in life in like what the past 20, 30 years, I don't, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. So I'm not going to try to sit here and talk about it as if I know, but what I am going to say is yes, I'm sure there are people that have it, but I don't like that term because that implies that people who are busy-minded, creative, different, innovative, uh, entrepreneurs, although they have ADD, they have ADD, they have ADHD. Yeah. Fuck that. I'm busy. I'm busy. I got stuff going on. And no, that doesn't I mean, mean I have ADD or ADHD. It means that I'm busy and I'm thinking and I'm creative. That's what that means to me. I totally, I feel you a hundred percent because when I hear people like I, I have ADHD as though it's like, you know, my left arm doesn't work. I mean, I think it's a superpower, you know, it's it like is. cool, you know, you can like, you can be, I can be fully paying attention to you and also like running a thing where I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, like all this stuff. So mm -hmm. I, do not, I do not mean when I say that, I mean, like I'm already like ramped up all over the place. And then you add you add some, some drain bramage on top of it. And I'm like, um, um, you know, level 10. So I 100% agree with you. And I also have the exact same problem when people are like, well, I'm super ADHD. It's like, well, everybody is, and I'm sure there's a spectrum, but it's, mm -hmm. it's like, that should mean to me, it's like, you're capable. You're saying you're capable. You're not saying that like, I, and, and it's weird because, you know, ADHD is attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Mm -hmm. it, it's like, and I don't really deficit i don't right. know if i have a deficit you know what i mean like i can actually i remember you know being in high school and be doing my own thing and whatever i'm like tapping on the thing and writing song lyrics and i'm thinking about 
the next show we're playing and whatever. And then the, the teacher would do this thing like, Brady, what's the last thing I just said? <laughs> and I can like run over to the TV in my brain and hit play and rewind 30 seconds and like verbatim, you know, mm-hmm. tell her exactly what she said. And then she's like, I hate you. You're the I worst. know. <laughs> they the worst. hate <laughs> and they I'm hate like, that. They hate that. When you, they call you on something, because I had that. My husband had that. My son has that in school right now. And he's in grade one. My son has that. And now I've experienced it myself. And now I'm watching it. And I see, fortunately, he has a really great teacher, but I see it. I saw it when I was a kid. It's that, Kelsey, what, what do we just say? And you just say it out loud. And they look at you like, you mother. That's it. That's it. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> it's the best though, because I've seen how that can work. And that's why when they say deficit and they say those things, I see those as a really negative connotation. I see that as something as a way to medicate and put you on a, as a diagnosis or a spectrum. It's the same with way where they did with PTSD and now PTS. It's not a disorder. It's an injury. Stop acting as if it is. It is something you can heal from. It's not something that you have to accept for the rest of your life. You can work on it. So when you say a deficit in this, it's like labeling and words are really they're really powerful, incredibly powerful. I had a, a podcast yesterday with Jimmy Corsetti where we talked about this for like an hour about literally your words. You are speaking it into existence. You are spelling it into the universe. You are making it a part of the world, whether that's causing your words or causing a ripple out from what you realize or they are uh, somebody else heard it out of the corner of, you know, just passing by your words matter how you say them matters the way you speak to yourself and the words you spell into existence matter so when someone's like i have adhd or adhd i'm like take a step back who told you that why did they tell you that what were they trying to accomplish in telling you that and there are children who need medication and they need help and don't get me wrong and that is often used as a way for them to get them extra support through a school or through a caseworker so i get it but your words matter. And people who listen to that need to understand that ADD and ADHD are not a deficit. They are not a struggle. Yes, you may be manic and you may need a hot minute to slow it down, but there's ways to do that. And that's what I like about you. You use tools. I've seen you use tools. I've seen you talk about it. Um, I've seen you post a lot of things on Instagram. You're a great follow. I mean, go fast, don't die is a great follow, but you yourself are a great follow in your journey to become healthy in your life. So let's talk about your life a bit about your journey, because I've seen you've no offense. You lost a ton of weight. You've been working really hard. You're staying really consistent. So let's get into why that's happening. Yeah. I, back real quick, just to go just, ahead. Just echo just to fan your flames. Kelsey, Sorry. Like talking about no, the, the, the ADHD thing, you know, I think, I feel like, um, I'm, you know, I'm also not a scientist, um, but, uh, or at least, you know, one that somebody would stamp scientist on, but, uh, <laughs> um, I almost feel like it should be, they should just like remove a couple words and switch the order. It should be hyperactive attention, uh, you know, complex or like whatever, mm-hmm. this disorder thing, you know, is a, is a weird thing. You're like disorder thing, you know, you got a problem is what you have you know and anytime people tell me this all constantly and people who really care about me and they're probably right a lot of times but they're like you need to rest you go and you go and you go and you go and you go you know and they're like when do you rest and i actually you know i, I believe in that right when i when i reframe rest as part of the work i'm like oh rest is the work now i can rest mm-hmm. 
because mm-hmm. because as long as it's work you know but people they want to slow down you know you're running at a pace and you're in this place of discomfort and someone comes and says like hey you really should should slow down it's best for you to slow down um a lot of times people are saying that kind of thing because you're running faster than they want to run you're going harder than they want to go so and and that's not you know that's not me saying that the people that tell me to slow down are not looking out for my best interest they really are i believe but um people will try to slow you down and have you match their pace so that they don't have to pick it up Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, s- sympathy is not service when people are like, oh, you know, poor you, poor you, you know, look at what you've had to deal with, look what you've had to do. And, and a lot of it, it, it certainly can be when it's come from a place of love and, and encouragement and that, like, I'm not saying, it, I think, you know, we get to speaking in, in like, it's either this or to that sympathy is not service. So anyone who's showing you sympathy hates you. This is not what I'm saying. I think that life is nuanced and complex and we should discuss it. But, you know, if I wanted to, um, if I wanted to rob someone's power, I think I would go try to be a friend of that friend of theirs and tell them all the ways they're powerful is a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that. I'm glad that you hold that back to there because that's important. I think a lot of people do that. I don't disagree. I can't. There's not a situation that I can roll back in my head here as we're talking and think you're wrong on any of that, because I've seen that I've experienced that and I've witnessed that in others. And it's very often somebody who is um, themselves not living up to the potential in which that they could be. It's what, and that could be for a multitude of reasons. That could be because they've been told that way. They've been taught that. So they actually truly don't know that there is more in their life that they could be reaching for, or it could just be very simply malicious and somebody not wanting to see you succeed. Right. And that could be, like you said, the best way to destroy someone is be your, be their friend and then just slowly slow drip, right? Just like COVID. It's that slow drip. It's the frog in the boiling pot. You just got to let people know a little bit of time, nothing too overwhelming, not too much so that it raises any red flags or any bells, but that slow boot on your neck. We're just going to squeeze it a little more as we go. Yeah. It, you know, you're like, you're like, wait, why are we doing this? And it's like, oh, it's not, oh, it's not affecting me that much. Right. Right. It's not no, affecting it's- me that much. But it's important too, because if you don't sit down to take time to evaluate those and the influence that they have around you, you're never going to be able to sit there and say, this person makes me feel good. This person makes me feel bad. This person makes me feel unhealthy. This person helps uplift me. And you are the sum of the five closest people to you. So why aren't you caring about what those people are saying to you, right? And that shows a moment of pause. I really love that sympathy is not service. I think like it doesn't serve anyone. I think that sympathy is necessary or needed, not even sympathy, compassion is necessary or needed at times. But when somebody is trying to talk down to you in a way that is really just demeaning and, you know, backhanded comments like, oh, you're really great. Yeah, you're really great at that. But I, I don't know if that you have time to do that. Well, what about my schedule? How do I, don't I get to plan my life and my schedule? So if I think I have time for it, yeah, I know, but it just, if you do that, it's just going to, it's going to overwhelm you and you're going to burn out. Okay. I understand you're concerned about my well being and my burnout, but at the end of the day, if I am doing six things and you're only doing four things and that irritates something in you 
And then you, you know, you project that to me. I want you to know I'm seeing it as projection. I'm not seeing it as you being like, oh, I'm looking out for your well-being. I had an incident like this recently um, in a group chat. And uh, I checked on everyone and did my whole thing. And then somebody, how do I word this? We all put in what was going on in our life over the next year and all of those things. And I don't talk about certain things until certain things are out. And so I also don't put things on others because I understand that not everybody is doing what I'm doing. And I don't want anybody to feel like I'm throwing it in their face or making them feel less than because that's never, ever my intention. But at some point, I'm going to be proud of the things that I've worked towards and that I've achieved. And I'm going to want to talk about them with friends. Well, something in me seemed to really anger, irritate the ego of someone else. And they just left the group. And, and what blew my mind was there was no back and forth exchange. It was my presence as a human being irritated you. Why don't we take a look in the mirror as to why that did though? Right? I think we don't give ourselves enough moment of pause to understand why something bothers us or makes us feel less than, or makes us want to feel, make others feel less than. And that's, it's a self-reflection issue that we don't do anymore in this world. We don't take a second to look inward and go, why am I reacting the way I'm reacting? What did, what is about the situation that's making me feel this way and project outwards, right? Um, so it's important to really sit and look at who's around you, why they're around you, and if they're elevating you or if they're really just trying to strap zap straps to the bottom of your feet and slowly attach a chain, which is down to a big ass piece of concrete. And then they're about to throw it in at some point when you're not looking. I think that's the reality of friendships nowadays. If you don't take time to acknowledge those around you, whether it's good for you or not, it's going to hurt you in the long run. That's my personal opinion on that. You're smirking because you know I'm right. It. No, I, I do know you're right. I mean, I think you're, I think you're spot on, on so many things. You just, he said so much, but I was caught up on zap straps. You said zap mm. straps. First time I ever heard zap straps, um, I was with a bunch of Canadians and I was like, this is good. all the Lord's guys. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, zap straps. I was like, what's a zap strap? I mean, a zip tie. Yeah, zap strap. Same <laughs> yeah, thing. Zap strap is so much more fun. I was so mad when I heard zap strap and I was like, why have I been saying zip tie? I'm thinking about like all the opportunities I had in my life where I said zip tie and I didn't get to say zap strap and rhymes and the Canadians, man. You guys just, I don't know. You gotta go I know. On. So I was it's all right. It. And there's, uh, we have that happen a lot when I speak to any of our American friends. Uh, when I did a podcast called Cleared Hot with Andy Stump, he's a Navy SEAL. And uh, Andy, I called him a ship pump. The whole show had to stop because he couldn't cope with the fact that I called, he goes, what is a shit pump? It's like, have you never heard this? It's a word we use in the Canadian military when somebody is like a pogue. He's like, yeah, I get pogue. I'm like, yeah, but it's the Canadian version of that. You guys don't have the cool words, it seems like. I don't even know what a pogue is. It's like a person. It's just not, you know, someone who's being a shit pump. It's well, just, I don't know what a ship, I don't know what a just being pump. a shitty soldier or not being oh, useful. Okay. Like it, like uh, there's, listen, we all have them. We've all been around them and stuff. Yeah. 
Don't even, I can hear all of you going, that's not very nice to say. Okay, don't act like if you were in the service, you didn't know one or two. Give it a rest. Also, I know it's I totally disagree with that. It's not a nice thing to say. If you're sucking, someone who loves you should tell you that you're sucking. God, I love that you said that. Why don't people do that, by the way? I don't know. I, we had this discussion. I said, sometimes the most loving thing you can do for someone is punch them in the face. And, and someone else overheard that and was like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, all right, everybody sit down and we're not. And so this goes back to what you're saying was like, someone just left the group. If people don't like the way they look, they take down the mirrors. They don't change the, change the way they look. You know, they start removing the mirrors. They start removing mm -hmm. anything that's going to reflect to them the thing that is a problem for them. And so then when you become a mirror, they're freaking going to remove you or mm -hmm. they're going to remove themselves from your reflection. I'm like, man, that sucks because you're never going to get any better. And what's going to happen is you're going to go to somewhere else where people are like, rah, rah on your thing, right? Like whatever your thing is. And your thing is probably like, probably sympathy. And it just leads to like lowering the bar. Hey humans, I know you've all been seeing me drink HVMN's ketone IQ lately. This is a game changer. Jet fuel in a bottle. I use ketone IQ for everything in my life whether it's running, cycling, podcasting, or just the extra boost that my brain needs. I won't lie, it helps push me to the next level in all things. I love Ketone IQ and what HVMN stands for. Go grab some shots today at hvmn.com and use the code BRASS20 and save. Constantly lowering the bar. And I think about that. I'm not, you know, I'm not apathetic to that. I I get it. Like maybe we should lower the bar so everybody's comfortable. Let's think about that for a little while. That leads to mass discomfort. Mm. But that where that actually goes is that like the reason that people get better is so that we can be better. You know, <laughs> discomfort is 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 the road to comfort, you know? And comfort is the road to discomfort. Com comfort uh without discomfort is is a lie, you know, and it's it's a it's the shallow end of the pool. I think that's the thing you and I are, and I, I say this um, um, only because I end up hanging with the people I end up hanging, where I go, I must be a deep ender. I, I mm -hmm. call these people deep enders, you know, swimming in the deep end of the pool is hard. It's deep. There are consequences. You can drown. Uh, there are fewer people there, you know, all of that stuff. So since swimming the deep end of the pool of life, there are very, very much fewer people. And there are a, there is a party, a right. giant party in a shallow end of the pool, but it's full mm -hmm. of piss. Mm -hmm. right? Nobody's actually swimming. You know, the level of the water, they all have their feet on the ground. So like, it's not even exciting to right. dive in because you know the depth, you're going to bump your head if you try to dive. So everybody's exchanging these shallow, shallow, shallow and peeing in the water and, and just bathing. And there are some people who are like, man, I like, wow, I've, this is, uh, I think I'm going to swim over here, you know? Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you start swimming out of the shallow room, they're like, what are you doing there? Yeah. You're the weird one. You're the odd one. Yeah. What are you doing? That's when they're like, that's when they're like, Hey man, I don't think that's healthy. Uh, over here, you can put your feet on the ground, you know, yeah. you, you're going over there where like you could drown and it's dangerous and it's bad and it's whatever. And it's like, man, I'm, you know what happens at the end of life? We die. And you mm -hmm. guys are going to die and I'm going to die. We're both going to get there. So mm -hmm. if I die in the deep end, <laughs> that's where I want to die. And I think that's, you know, if, if people would just like, I don't know, 
embrace that. Everybody do what you want. (laughs) Yeah, but see, I I can't be about that. I can't be everybody do what you want. I refuse that. I refuse that statement. And the reason is because you just said something at the beginning. It's like, everybody do whatever you want. But at the beginning, you're like, it's sad and does everyone a disservice if someone doesn't just punch you in the mouth. And I'm not saying go punch people physically in the mouth. You can punch them in the mouth with words. And you can say the very the very depth of that honesty, which is, hey, man, you probably could be trying a little harder. Hey, it would be nice if you put a little more effort into what you eat and what you watch. It'd be nice if you just got up and moved your body a little bit. Maybe not for you, maybe for your kids, maybe for your wife, maybe for your husband. I don't give a shit who it's for. If that's how you have to start by going, you know what? I'm doing this for so-and-so. Eventually you're going to just start doing it for you because you're the one who has to do the work. You're the one who has to sit there and suck. And you're the one that's going to reap the benefits of that. But this idea that maybe we should make things easier. No, I think we should make things significantly harder for everyone across the board. I'm talking schools. I'm talking business. I'm talking government. I'm talking living and wages. I'm talking make things harder because the harder people are the ones with like, it's like the cream. What happens? What happens? It floats to the top. And when you have people that want to sink to the bottom, let them do that. Let them be the ones that go out and complain and don't show up for work on time or don't give people the time of day or just look down at their phones for 24 seven and think that they're in this, this separate world and the world is all this horrible place. Let them do it. Let them go there. But I'm not lowering my bar. If anything, I'm raising that shit. If you don't need it, that's not my problem. But if you want help to get up to that bar and you want to come along, cool. Put the initiative in. I will help you. I won't leave you behind. I will give you the opportunity and the tools to help you get to that bar. But I will never lower it for anyone. And I don't think that society should be lowering it for anyone either. All it does is hurt us long-term. You can't sit there and say that over COVID, all of our countries got stronger. Mm -mm. No, they quietly lowered the uh, school board. What Canada and Canadian students have to hit. They quietly lowered that bar. And that is for words that have to be memorized by a certain age, uh, language and math skills. I'm sorry, why are we lowering anything? This is ridiculous. This is how you create a society of dumb, blind, and stupid sheep that end up just, what, creating more people who are just dumb, blind, stupid sheep? We need to start raising it. That's just the truth. Have you ever tried to herd wolves? Uh, I get why they're doing what they're doing. Trust, because I, I am what most call the mama wolf of the group. I will lead your ass to where it needs to be. But the problem is our governments, uh, people around us, our friends, our family, again, if they're not meeting the standard, they want to pull you down to what their standard is. And that is just flat out unacceptable across the board. And when you think about that concept, you're talking about if we are all connected, right? Right. I imagine like... So if there's front runners, call yourself mm-hmm. a front runner. I would. Um, I think you consider yourself to be. Um, and you're connected to everyone else. And everyone else is so far back there. And there's a band attached to you, attached to them. Mm-hmm. If you've ever lifted with bands, you know that the farther you stretch that thing, the more resistance it gives you. So mm-hmm. by lowering the bar of everyone who's back there, it's making the front runner harder to move. Mm -hmm. you know 
and 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 what they're all eating is sympathy they're all mm -hmm. eating this this help you know this they're vic all victim mentality yeah and it's and it sucks because it's sugar you know and, and they're like sugar mm, mm -hmm. i'll take it but sugar does not sustain you sugar does not serve you you know it tastes good right now it's the thing yes. you want now it's not the thing you want most and the thing you want most is on the other side of a whole bunch of hard work you know and so people are like well do i eat sugar or do I hard work I'm like, look at the world what are people choosing hard work or sugar no 100 percent. yeah well we've been sugar people for a long time we've been sugar people since they started paying people to call sugar the next big thing we've been sugar people but i think the biggest thing about being a leader if you're trying to lead anyone there's always going to be those that need to be pushed from behind. And that's a big thing that I, I'm a big proponent of. It's like no one left behind. I don't care how long that line is. I don't care how far that band has to stretch. I will climb my ass back down there and I will pull you up. Even if you're at the end of that line, because you deserve to be successful. You deserve to know that this life that you have, that is so goddamn rare. If you're in North America, you're privileged. I don't care if you don't have anything and you're still in North America, you are privileged. So if that means that some of us have to come down to your level, grab a hold of you, shake you and show you that you're worth looking after, you're worth living for and you're worth doing something with, then we'll do that. But at some point, people got to realize for themselves, you can't save everyone. That's the other thing. You can't. Let's talk about, you just said something that I think is really interesting. When I, when I had this recognition or this, this moment where I, so when I hear people say you deserve, um, I hear you, but I, do you think I, my big belief is that we don't, we don't deserve anything. And, and so, so like to rewind that, just give you the, my thought behind that, mm -hmm. but I hear what you're saying. Like when I, when you say you deserve, I, I think it's like, it's like, Hey, you could have like, here's what your story could be. That idea of like arriving at the end, you know, you get to heaven or wherever you're going to get to. And they go, well, here's what your story could have been. And mm -hmm. here's what your story is. How do you like the difference? Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's kind of what you're saying is you're saying like, Hey, you could choose to be this thing and live your best story and become your best self. And you have the opportunity to that it's offered to you. Mm -hmm. You have, and you could choose it. But I just think that the word deserve when I, I get, I hear a lot of people, I deserve, and I deserve this and I deserve that. And I'm like, um, I'm like, man, you didn't deserve your, your first breath. That was a gift from the beginning. You know, you, you, your life is a gift. And to me, it's like, you should, you almost, it's, it's less, less of a deserve thing and more like a, um, you're indebted. You're, you, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yes. that gift to, to serve that in its best expression, its highest expression. You should show up for your best story because I promise, and this is a big part of Go Fast, Don't Die. This is a big part of kind of what started that brand, really started that brand, not a saying, not a cheeky mm -hmm. saying, not a cool design or t-shirt, but really started the brand was getting to a point in your life where you're, you're, uh, you're you know, contemplating suicide, you feel like everything's crashing down, there's no way it can get better, it's, you're smoked, you're done, your story's over, and you go, and, and I remember going, if this is over, 
if this is the end, what was the story? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a practice that every, that's a hard practice to just do, you know, when you're sort of like, oh, life's cool. Okay, if this is the end, this will be fun, you know. But when right. you're really in it and you go, okay, if this is the end, what did I do? And I remember being an apologist for my own story and going, well, I, you know, went to the lake on weekends, you know, like mm-hmm. I did this, I did that. And I wasn't, I really, I was actually okay with the story, except for the way that it, it had ended at that point. And the way that it had ended made the rest of it not feel good. So I remember just going, I remember feeling like uh, I was going to die. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, this is the end. This is the end of it. But I'm like, but if this is the end, I'm going to go out with a little better story than what I've done here. Right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start saying yes to things. I'm gonna start being different. I'm gonna start living different. And uh, I think if everybody would do that, if they go, okay, if right now was the end, you know, and um, whatever I am, I'm overweight and I'm aware of it, but I pretend not to be. You know, everything's cool, everything's fine. I'm good with where I'm at. I'm not a, I'm not waking up in the morning and and attacking the thing that I, whatever that I ought to be doing, the thing that I'm called, the, the muse, you know. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I am doing the things that I wish I wasn't doing. I'm not doing the things that I wish I was doing. And I watch people on Instagram do it just so I can feel like I'm a part of the thing, but I don't do it myself. And I feel like I'm locked in a prison. And if this was the end right now, it's the end of your story. Is your story worth, worth reading? Right. Is it one that you would read and go, man, the hero of this story sure is dope. You know, that this person sure is cool. I talked to a a, a buddy we're talking about. um, uh, We're talking about Joe Rogan. We're talking about just Rogan's podcast. Mm -hmm. And and I was down in Austin doing jujitsu. And this guy goes, this guy goes, uh, oh, you should like, you know, you should see if you sneak on Rogan as if that's a thing that exists. Right. And and I'm like. You know that Navy SEALs are probably sneak on okay keep going you know it's like it's like it's like oh if you're in austin you know like yeah that's how that works i'm like i'm like uh i'm like man let's just say like i'm like and he's like he's like oh i want to i want to meet joe rogan you know or i want to go on rogan i'm like if you went on joe rogan what would you tell the world right and i think that's like you know like rogan's podcasts have become so prolific it's been so it's become so the thing right it's like okay this is just another way of looking at it i personally like the if you were going to die right now if this was the end do you like the story that's been told but now to put another way if you went on rogan what story are you going to tell right that's actually going to be interesting that's actually going to be cool what story is the story that you're living right now one that you're like yeah i'm really stoked to talk about this and maybe it is you know like maybe you're doing something that's not that everyone doesn't seem think is phenomenal which i think there are a lot of guests on there that are like you know the average person may not be like super into their story but if they're super into it they're super passionate about it and they're mm-hmm. passionate enough that they made it to joe and he was like man you're so passionate about this i would love to ask you some questions like why is this thing cool mm-hmm. right cool but if right. you're not what should you be doing what would you be stoked to go on and talk for two hours right. about? go do that Well, that's the thing I think people forget is that if they were to sit down and take true, true, un, um, what's the word I'm looking for? True, deep, like write out everything about them and have some strangers read it and go, is this interesting? 
No, no, they couldn't do that because that would open them up to the reality that the way they live their life or the way they think that their life is going is is important or exciting. We have this misconception now, This these new generations coming up have this um, identity thing called uh, victim mentality or called, um, or a better example is uh, I'm important. No, hey, let me, let me, if you're looking at this, let me just make it very clear. You're not. Do you know how you become important? Through work, through effort, through experience, through working on yourself and helping others. You become important by being more than just somebody who sits at home, scrolls on Instagram, eats potato chips. Move your fucking ass. Make yourself important. Make yourself stand out. If you want others to care or you want others to see you as somebody that's worth sitting down and having a conversation about your life or your perspective or the way that you view the world, then you better make yourself important. Stop acting as if you are because pretending and the longer you go about your time on this planet, pretending that you're important is just a waste. Start doing things that make you important. That doesn't mean you have to grow a business. That doesn't mean that you have to go and be a Navy SEAL. You don't have to do any of that. Show up in your community, go to the soup kitchens, be important to them. Show up every Friday or every Saturday or whatever you have time for. And you show up and you stay consistent because now you're important to them. And that importance, you can't outweigh how much that can mean to another human being. And I think when I, when I think about how that might land for someone, uh, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I just want to go out. We should just go out and hang out in the world and you mm -hmm. can like spit at somebody and then I'll give them and I'll give them a hug. And I'm like, what, what she means is you're important enough to go do important things. You're important That's right. and you should go do the things that are important for you to do. But why is it? I'm going to, I'm going to test you on something here. Why is it that somebody like Andy Frizzella can say the same sentence I just said, but then when Kelsey Sharon says it, it's harsh and aggressive. I think, I mean, I think it's harsh and aggressive when anyone's, I mean, there's everyone, everyone um, likes their tea served a little different, right? Mm. And it's sort of like, and, and, and your, I think that your specific brand like is, is really important. I think that I don't know a lot about Andy Frisella. Um, I know who he is, mm -hmm. uh, but I think that his brand of tea is really important for some people. I know mm -hmm. some people probably don't. They're like, nah, not, not tasting it. Don't want to drink it, you know, whatever right. it is. And I think there's a lot of different, it's sort of like, uh, hey, there's lots of different flavors that are really good for you and that will get you to the sort of the next thing. And mm -hmm. I think people should find whatever that tea is. If they can't listen to you, then they should, then they can listen to me. And if they right. can't listen to me, they can listen to this guy, but realize like all of us, like us are on the same team. That's we're right. trying to, we're trying to say, live a better story with your life. And some people are saying it with, you know, the F-bomb every 10 seconds, the yeah. world, right? And some people are saying it with like one word a minute, you know, the, the right. Ram Das of the world, you know, like, and, and the, the, the message is the same. Right. You know, the message is like, hey, like you, your your life is a miracle. Mm -hmm. You being you existing is a is an of astronomical. Like it's crazy that you're alive. 
Mm-hmm. It's insane that you're alive. You, 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 you know, you know how many potatoes they've been in history and you're not a potato. You're a human with like a whole thing that like, you know, when you, when it's okay. hot out, you get cooler, you start sweating and you're like, well, I have like a whole system. Oh. Here. I get to ride this body and you're just like, I guess I'll sit here. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're dropped off at the, at the, at the pinnacle of existence at least as far as i i understand and you say okay go play and you're gonna sit on the bench and watch other people play you know like you're gonna like you're at the you're at the theme park of of (laughs) coolest theme park you could possibly imagine you get to feel all these feelings and you get to look at all these things and you've got eyes and you've got ears to hear and you can listen to music the best music and you can have eyes you can actually go participate in it and what you're gonna do is like you're gonna go ride like the the tilt the world once yeah you know oh that was kind of cool you know i'm like man take this life for a ride because you die at the end i i'm gonna argue you don't die okay i'm gonna argue you don't die let me let's talk about that i'm gonna argue that because don't die it's the second rule of fight club exactly um there's something about that saying that we all die i think i thought about this a lot only because um I was raised as a. Now we're getting into the stuff. (laughs) I thought about this a lot because I was raised as a Catholic. I was uh, raised as someone. Yeah, you put those on. This is serious talk. There we go. I was raised as a Catholic, and I never connected. Never. That doesn't work for me. Um, And then I started doing psychedelics, and serious psychedelics, and really integrating those into my life as a part of my spirituality. And what I learned from that is. We don't die. We just cease to exist on this plane in this moment in this sliver of time. This meat sack that walks around with my tiny robot inside that's saying, go do this or go do that, which I, I still arguably it's, uh, feel very detached from my physical space. I, the thing that's inside of me that controls the voice that comes out of me is very much its own. I know this is just a body I'm in for a temporary amount of time. And I'm very conscious to that. Um, so why not love it? I mean, I, I see people go about life and I see people abuse this meat sack or this thing they wanna call their human body and this human experience. And it's, it's sad because you're given a moment that you can't replay that you can't redo this, this right now, this moment where you and I are doing the show when you're on for the first time won't happen again. After that, it'll be a second time and a third time, but it'll never be what this is again. Exactly. So to think that we die feels odd to me. We cease to keep moving in this physical space and this body and this vibration with this energy. But it, I, I think that that moves on. I think that the things that I've been shown and so many who choose to utilize psychedelics as a healing modality, um, they, they acknowledge that. They see that. This can't be it. Not after you've seen what you've seen and touched what you've touched. This is not it. This is just a blip in a moment of time. And the sooner you wrap your brain around that, in my opinion the sooner things start firing on all cylinders. Because now all I wanna do is run. I wanna run as fast and as hard as I can because this time is so limited. And the good amount of time where all of my body works, which is still arguably not now, but where it's at, I can handle, I can live with, I can do. And until it stops working, I'm not gonna stop working. 
And so I would like to think that, yes, we, our physical selves die, but that doesn't mean that we die. We'll just go on to another place at another time and be in another body, or we'll be in this body in a different time frame, right? Because now they're starting to look at simulation. They're starting to understand, okay, how many, how many planes are there actually where this same thing is happening here and happening here and happening here with slight variations. But and in one so, of them, I didn't put the sunglasses on. You didn't put the sunglasses on the in the one. Yes, exactly. So exactly. I, I think the idea of death is scary. And I think it causes end of life anxiety. And I think if we were to help others see utilizing psilocybin or some other modality, whatever you're comfortable with, that death isn't scary. Time moving forward isn't a bad thing. It's something to be cherished. I think that we would see a difference in our generations to come. I think they would acknowledge, okay, wait, I only have such a minute amount of time here. What am I going to do with it? Instead of saying, oh, you better hurry up. I mean, you better slow down because you're going to die soon. Well, no, I'm not going to die. I'm still going to be here. I'm going to be somewhere. I'm going to be doing something. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to die. It just means that I'll move on to something new, but that doesn't mean death. That means change. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of things there. You challenged me and you said, I'm going to challenge you. I'm mm -hmm. going to say die. I think that when I talk about death, I, I don't believe, I, I believe in motivation by love, not by mm -hmm. fear. And I don't think fear and love hang out. I think, I think fear tries to drive out love. I think love tries to drive out fear. So when I talk about death, you know, or, or like maybe let's call, let's kind of meet in the middle and say there's an expiration to this experience. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I, where I'm coming from is a place of love to say almost permission, like, hey, you die in the end. You know, when you sit down and you play a board game, you know, um, hopefully you don't, maybe you do, but so, some people, you, you don't like freak out because you're losing, you know, or you're mm -hmm. behind somebody else. You're not like, I like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worthless, I'm trash, I'm garbage. You know, at least if you're doing that, you're missing the point of the game. You're missing like the 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 experience because you should be like, well, I'm on this ride over here. You know, even like emotions, you know, we talk about like um, when people are like, I'm sad or people say they're sad. For me, I'm like, you know, a lot of people are like, okay, well, let's cheer you up. Let's bring you out of this place of sadness. And I'm sort of like, no, no don't do that. Let's, let's be sad like okay this is the, you know you've been delivered this thing like here it is sadness has come to visit you know have them over what, right. what can you teach me sadness what's going on let's hang out until you're ready to go are you ready to go all right see you later you know i've got joy coming on over the other side and i really understand joy better because sadness visited and i understand sadness and like they're totally different they're, they have that's other thing or they the contrast between sadness and joy so Anyway, I agree that we, I don't believe that we die. I don't believe that our, that thing that it's inside of you called a soul uh, perishes. Um, and I think the cool thing about like, you know, you say I was raised Catholic and that shit did not work for me. Uh, mm -hmm. But I, you know, and then I started experimenting with psychedelics and I was shown, mm -hmm. oh, this is me and I'm different and I'm outside of this suit of myself. And that's awesome. I think, I think, um, ultimately like 
we're pretty when you when you sort of zoom into religion you start seeing people when you start and and when you start to zoom out you start going everybody's kind of saying the same thing Mm -hmm. uh just like but when you zoom in you're like but this guy is saying it like this probably because he's a dirt bag um (laughs) you know and he wants it to benefit him which of course of course he does like of course they do you know right but when you zoom out you're like okay well you live and there's good and there's bad and there wouldn't be good without bad and you know and then you go and then there's a place beyond the place right that's okay okay i think we're consistent there like we we can all agree i think that's a that's a big thing is this is common ground Mm -hmm. i think when when we're talking so we're talking about religion right now um which is cool i think that's cool most people like you know there's like this common thing where like okay we don't know religion Mm -hmm. uh no politics Politics. there's another one there's always it's always like race, religion, and politics. That's like the, the the ones you don't say at the dinner table. I just I'm like, what kind of dinner table? What are we just eating? Yeah, what? because that's because people can't again, people can't have a conversation about something if it irritates them. And it irritates them probably for a reason. You know, they're yeah. but they've never sat down to look at what the reason is. So that they just say, No, we don't talk about these things, or they don't want to cause controversy. Like, for example, during COVID, my family's like many families, uh, some of us understood, some of us didn't, which meant there was a riff. But the difference is I don't allow the riff to exist because that riff is being artificially designed for you to segregate. So if you can see that for what it is, i.e. I've worked for the government before, worked in politics before, worked from the military, you can understand that there was a path to what was trying to be achieved. And if you just saw it for what it was, you didn't have to allow that to actually be a part of your life. So I would have the hard conversation. Why do you feel this way? And I'll explain why I feel this way. What is your basis and backing to why you feel this way? And how do I help you see? And then how do you help me understand? Like there's a conversation that can be had, but nobody likes to have these conversations because it makes them feel uncomfortable. And uncomfortable is something people have not been taught how to cope with. If we leaned into the uncomfortable, and we just showed people that if you sit in it just for a couple minutes, you're going to learn more that moment, that couple minutes than you would have learned in 10, 20 other situations where you just kept running away from the difficult thing. This stuff is not that hard. You just have to be willing to suck just for a couple minutes. Have you ever heard the, the, um, the phrase, love's other name is understanding? Love's under name, other name is understanding? No, I haven't. Really interesting to me. It's been an interesting just sort of like meditation. But, um, you know, when you had those conversations around COVID and went and said like, hey, this is like, if if we break apart, then like the bad guys win, you know, like, and I, but like, did you have to, did you have to, so, so what happens a lot of times is like people fight because I'm here with my experience and my knowledge in here and I'm firm in what I'm at and this person's over here and they're firm where they're at because of their experience and whatever, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to make sense of the world based on what they've got. And you're trying to make sense of the world based on you got, but you're only saying your conclusions, a conclusion, a conclusion. A no, conclusion. no, I don't do that. No, I know no, you no. don't do that. I, so what I'm saying is what I'm saying is when they go, when they go find out, right? Like the, you know, the paths are like this, 
but when they get to a place where like okay common ground hey we both want like i love you and you love me and we want to live in some harmonious understanding right mm-hmm. that's why i'm like like love's other name is understanding when i understand you i can't it's, hard, it's very hard for me to love you if i don't understand you and the more i understand you the easier it is the more love can be present because lack of understanding which would suggest that lack of understanding would be, be around a lot of fear you oh, know, fears, but we understand that fear is a motivator we understand that fear is a tool that's utilized on a large scale to make others not do something we understand that we this is a psychology it's this is where it makes me sad that people don't see a lot of the things that have happened in the world and just step back and go that's just fear mongering we've seen this before this isn't anything new does it come and then that's where where i go back to that you know my my i always want to motivate from a place of love not Mm -hmm. from a place of fear so when i talk about death i'm trying to say like hey the good news is you die in the end you know like mm-hmm. the cool thing is like whatever you're stressed about you know i'm gonna i'm gonna ask this girl out and she's gonna say no well you die in the end you know are you gonna be okay like, you know what i mean like there's not like there's not like this this these weird consequences of, like people think that if something goes wrong that you know a small man flies out of heaven with a boxing glove punches you in the nuts if it goes wrong right you know like so they just don't take the chance like really really the on the other side of that is like oh well that didn't work right you know but fear like the fear of 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 saying like before you go do it once you do it you're like oh yeah she said no you know she's probably not gonna throw a you know uh, well maybe she will i'm people crazy but she's probably not gonna throw her drink in your face and go he asked me you know like he should all that stuff. And then her boyfriend comes out and punches you in the face. And then you get lit on fire and thrown in a dumpster. Like that's what people, that's like what, that's what fear does. Cause fear yeah. comes in and tells you that story. Like, yeah, but maybe this will happen, dude. And the people and, and love says, love does the opposite. Love goes, well, maybe that's your wife, mm-hmm. you know, right. maybe, you know? And so, um, where, when you, when you go back and you come to a place of understanding where love can exist, and then you build on top of that. You go, hey, we both want this thing. We're both on the common ground here. We both can agree. Or even like you zoom out from religion. You go, okay, we, we can agree that like there is love, there is good, there is bad, and there is more to the story. Do we agree mm-hmm. on that? And when you're like, okay, yeah, we can agree on that. And you're like, okay, now let's go. F- now, now let's start from here. You wouldn't right. start building a building your house like three feet in the air. Right. You know, because it would fall to the ground. You start on a foundation where you're both standing, you know, where everyone's standing. So I believe that's what you do. I'm sure that's what you do. That's what we try to do. We try to have the hard conversations, but that's the thing. A lot of people don't even want to broach a hard conversation because they don't know how they don't know how they personally feel about some topic because they've reverberated topics or taglines or lines or titles on Instagram for so long that if somebody were to sit down and really ask them like, Hey, how do you feel about digital currency? Somebody's going to go, well, it makes my life a lot easier. I mean, I, I have it on my, it's on my phone. It's great. It's, it's easy. Okay. Let's pull that apart. They can't because they've never sat with things like that. Things that make them nervous and uncomfortable. People just don't want to sit with. So fear, fear is the de- fear is the reason that most people don't ever try. Fear is the reason why most people never 
go out for the job or ask the girl on the date or, or they never just go up to someone and shake their hand. Fear is the death of all great things. If you allow it to be that I have used fear as a motivator. I'm fearful that I won't live my life to my fullest, like fullest potential. I'm fearful that I won't do enough to be remembered. And that's not in a vanity way. I mean, fearful that when I, when I, when this body goes, yeah, we're done. And I move to the next thing. I'm fearful that when people speak of me, they won't say the things I want them to say. And what do I really want them to say? What is my fear behind that? My fear is that my life's work would have meant nothing. Right. And ultimately what I put everything, every bit of energy, all my time into is trying to help others. So my fear is that I never was able to show up and help people when they needed to be helped. But I also understand that that's just the voice talking. Right. So I allow it to be my motivator. I allow chaos to be the thing that causes me to move forward. Instead of allowing it to cripple me, I use chaos as my, as my fuel. It is jet fuel and holy hell do I ever thrive on it. So fear can be a motivator if you choose for it to be. Go ahead. See how good I did? That was Don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bring it. go ahead. Um, uh, how many, you said the voice in your head, how many of those are there? And, <laughs> and, uh, let's get into that. How many of those are there and which one of them are you? There's two. There's two. Okay. There's cool. two voices. At least there's two. Cause some people are like, what the hell are you talking about? They, they, no. they like people don't have an inner monologue or they don't yeah. have like for me. I'm like, who's talking right now? Yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah, there's two. I have two. I have two so super solid ones. I have one that is me, the one that speaks. And then I have the one that is the, the bad things, the dark things, the things that because I experienced and saw and witnessed and done, that thing lives in there. But the difference is that things used to be the thing that was up front and that spoke and that reacted. And that would be the thing that would bite. It's the, the thing that I described when I was on Lex Friedman, we talked about my eye journals. It, it's not the ego. It's something else. It's the thing that makes you knock it out of bed in for some reason, because you're depressed. And it's the thing that talks for you. Sometimes it speaks from a place of fear. Um, the only way that I can really articulate it is, is it's like this big giant. It kind of has like this bull body, this huge muscular, massive body with this like crazy face that just looks at my other little self inside and goes, no, we're doing this today. But the difference is now is that thing sits in chains the way I want it to. And it sits right where it should. And it comes out when it needs to. And that's the thing that scares people because I've learned to control that thing. And that makes me a lot more dangerous than I used to be. I don't fly off the handle. I don't react the way I react. I just sit and I watch. And when that thing needs to come out and protect the tiny little thing that talks, it will, and it does. But other than that, there's just the two voices. What about you? How many you got? I don't know. I've got a whole. I've got, got a, a gaggle in there, huh? I've got a stadium. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting thing when you start asking. I remember, uh, it's like when it, I remember, so there's a funny story. 
I stood up to wipe after I pooped until my senior year in high school. <laughs> stood up, wiped my butt. <laughs> and I thought that's how it worked, dude. And uh, and then oh. one time I was with Jeremy Matheson and we're doing a party poop. Um, he was in jazz band. He was a drummer. I was in jazz band, played the guitar. Went for a party poop. It's where you poop. You both poop at the same time. It's a party. Um, and uh, and then <laughs> he's like next to me, and he's looking at my feet. He's like, "The hell are you doing, man?" Like <laughs> after, after I pooped, you know, I turned around, I'd observed my work, um, and then I, you know, I was cleaning up. And he was like, "I was like, what do you mean? I'm I'm done. I'm wiping." He's like, "Why are you standing up?" And I was like. Meanwhile, I told you I'm wiping. What how else do you expect me to do it? He's like, no, you gotta wipe sitting down. You don't you don't wipe sitting down. And it was like this moment of my life. I was like, I'm like, is, is that what you're supposed to be doing this whole time? Uh, Whoa. And then I was like, how did this happen? And I was like, well, you don't usually poop with people, you know? And like somehow, like, you know, when I was a little kid and I was a potty training. I would stand probably I imagine I don't have a haven't felt my memory of this but I imagine I'd stand up and I'd be like dude freaking pooped in potty and I'm like okay now it's time to wipe all right I'm gonna do I'm gonna wipe oh. and then all done we're cool and uh yeah just and then I imagine like then I started just doing it by myself in the privacy of the bathroom like you got it you just do your thing I don't need I don't need to tell you you know and we just like skipped that step and then I went all the oh. way to a year before Jeremy Matheson told me yeah, dude, what are you doing? It's just, you're being silly about this. You know, your butt cheeks kind of go together and like, you know, this is uh, not efficient. Anyway, oh. so that's a story about me. But like uh, when you start asking people like how many voices are in your head, like who's who's in there talking? For me, it's like primarily three. I think there's the thing that is fear. I think there's the thing that is love. It's like that devil on your shoulder, angel on your shoulder thing. But it's not, you know, devil, angel, fear and love you know, which mm -hmm. one's, which one's talking right now, which one's motivating me. And I'm like, fear sucks. Fear wants the worst for you. Love wants the best for you. So mm -hmm. pay attention to which one's talking. And then there's me who's like, huh? you know, and listening and depending on sort of where I'm, where that me is in, in, in taking in and, you know, putting, putting priority and, and, and uh, importance on all the inputs, I might listen to one or the other because I'm either afraid or I'm empowered. It's like, it's crazy because you're like, well, why would you listen to the, you know, don't be afraid. Right. Look, what, always listen to the one who's empowering you. And we don't, you know, and, and anyway, but some people would say like, what are you talking about? There is no inner monologue. There is no thing inside. There is no voice inside my head. And so when I realized that, I'm like, wait, everybody doesn't have sort of this experience. Right. Because uh, it's not really something you talk about. Like, hey, excuse me nice to meet you my name is brady how many voices do you have in your head that's not a part of our you know like that's not a part of our thing even you like we do a lot of podcasts you don't go hey, what happens inside of that but i do and that's what makes people uncomfortable i know you do because you're deep in there you I that's, just... what, that's what you're interested in that's why you and i are talking yeah i think that's... more people should i think it... uh, i agree I think that there's something that I say, a friend of mine gave me this quote and I love it. And I say it to the, I'll say it to the day I die. I refuse to have conversations with individuals. But you didn't die. Until the day I move on. I refuse to have conversations with individuals who are not deeper than a cookie sheet. 
I don't have the energy, the space or the want. And I think that's important too. It's okay to not want to talk to everyone. It's okay to not want to have a conversation with everyone. And it's not because you don't like them. It just means that, Hey, you might not, you might not gel or you might. And so maybe go have that conversation. But I guess what I'm saying is if I were to choose how I go about my life, I prefer to go to a certain type of person who I know is doing things in their life. I'm attracted uh, energetically to having conversations with others who are trying to change the world in, in their own way, whatever that looks like, who are trying to help others, who are trying to make a difference so that others can see that there is more to this than just eating potato chips, getting up and going to work. Oh, I'm not gonna do that thing where I raise my hand. No, it's okay. Um, I'll never forgive you for it. That's all. It's okay. I understand. I think you will. I think you already have. <laughs> um, let's talk about Taekwondo. What about it? You're, you're a freaking Taekwondo ninja. I used to be a ninja. Used My to be body's, ninja. I'm not so much a ninja anymore. I don't fight anymore. Uh, I can't get yeah. kicked in the face anymore. I can't take, I cannot sustain another traumatic brain injury on any sort of level. It's just not... It won't be conducive to me as an adult. And I would prefer to kind of keep some sort of memory and word recognition happening. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I stopped at uh, last fight was borderline 20, 1920. I think I was, I would have been going on. I would have been going into my 20th year. Yeah. So I, I stopped fighting. My last fight was the U S open in Las Vegas. Um, I ended up fighting a weight class above my traditional weight class and got my fucking head kicked in because when you move up, you also move up in height. And so my weight class was 103 pounds to 108. And I normally fight, I think it's like 98 to 103. And uh, that's where my sweet spot is, but I couldn't make weight for whatever reason. That's another reason I stopped fighting was, uh, well, there was a multitude, but making weight as you got older, when you're a female, when you're trying to go through puberty and stuff is really fucking difficult. I stunted my own growth. And I had a lot of issues because of the, how hard I was training as early as I was in my age for development. So yeah, I stopped fighting. Uh, that was my last fight. It sucks that I lost my last one because I hate to admit it, but I was good when I was good. Like I, I have no qualms saying that it's like, if you know, you were good at something, it's, it's okay to say it. You don't need to say it from a place of like being a dick, but like, I was good when I was good for sure. Um, no, I loved it though. The cool thing about saying I was good when I was good is, and I, this is why I ask why I bring this into the conversation because it's something I wanted to talk about because you, um, to some extent, you grew up in a thing that was a meritocracy mm -hmm. where, you know, and, and, uh, it, it's not, everybody gets, to gets a medal. And even if it is, everybody gets a medal. Um, one guy, one person got their head kicked in and the other person didn't, you know, right. And, and, um, so you saying like, I was good when I was good. Well, you were at the U S open. So yeah, you were probably good. You know, like you were, you like that, that thing sort of shows for itself. And I, I wonder, so for, for me, um, jujitsu is like, that's where I learn all of the lessons in my mm -hmm. life. That's where I, you know, I learn all of it. I learn, I learn how tough I actually am, how mm -hmm. tough I actually am not how clever I am, how clever I'm not, you know, what the bar is, what, where I'm at in, in comparison to it. It's a language that you can speak where you can't lie about it. You know, like I, I, I like when I meet people with like long hair 
or or like a big beard you know i mm-hmm. usually have i just got my beard but i a lot of times have a really i just got to the point where like when people are choking me from the back yeah. you know like Mm-hmm. that's gonna sound funny to some people that don't do jujitsu but like they're like fishing in for my gi they'd yeah. like grab a handful of beard and then start pulling it and then i turned that like beast thing that's in you mm-hmm. that he chained up that guy fully comes out and i'm like human life doesn't exist you pulled my beard hair <laughs> yeah i'm going to kill you and then i'm gonna find out whoever's related to you and like yeah for like three seconds i'm like you know and yeah. then uh, and then oh. i wake up Oh, I'm so I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Either that, or I got, either that or I got choked out and my beard pulled. Anyway, I think that uh, that thing, so maybe what, and that's why I asked, maybe what Taekwondo did for you, where there's meritocracy, like, hey, if you work hard, you get to kick their face off. And if you don't, if you don't practice and you don't work hard, you get to get your face kicked off. And that thing is that thing for you. And that thing for me is jujitsu. And a lot of people have that thing in some regard i think martial arts are very cool because it actually you actually get to get choked punched kicked in the face whatever it's like the the consequences to action are very poignant Mm -hmm. um where other things maybe just aren't so um but i i wonder you know i'm just thinking people that are listening to this podcast from where they are where they're at one i wonder what that thing is you know you had taekwondo which maybe launched you into the next version of you know badass kelsey and (laughs) well i don't it wasn't really a the hard thing the hard the hard thing was like it was a choice but it wasn't a choice i was four when i started so i didn't have a reference point of life outside of i played soccer and i did taekwondo and i remember exactly where i was standing I remember exactly what I was doing when the phone rang. My dad yelled out, mom's on the phone. It was, we still had cable phones and I had to run up this mud, like where we lived. We had this huge drop off hill at the end of the driveway and it wrapped around the back. And that's where the, the back garage was. And I was down there playing in the woods and I heard him yell up and I ran up this huge hill. My mom's on the phone and she's at the mall on a payphone, And she's like, Hey, I just saw this, this thing called Taekwondo. It looks like a lot of fun. Do you want to try it? But if you try it, you have to go for as long as we sign you up for it. We don't sign up for something and then not follow through. So I said, yeah, and that that was it. So it wasn't like I was trying to find that thing. Uh, my mom did karate when she was young for a long time. So she knew it might be something I, I would thrive in. But what I liked about martial arts for people who are adults or kids, and I and I I've had this conversation with Mark Turner, who's a, I think he's like a third degree black belt in jujitsu. Like he's insane. He's gnarly. And I've had this conversation. I very clearly, I wish I did jujitsu when I was young, instead of Taekwondo. Number one, it is more useful as an adult. If somebody grabs you on a street, it's a de-escalation rather than a striking sport. Um, but I always say to him, like, why aren't adults doing this? Why isn't every adult or here's another, take it a step further. And this is where like communism comes in, but Hey, Canada's already there. So why aren't all girls at a certain age have to be mandatorily put into a martial art, especially jujitsu? I think that it is irresponsible as a parent of a daughter to not be putting her in jujitsu because she may not be grabbed or bothered her whole life. Or it might happen the first week she goes to university by herself. 
And that will be the catalyst moment for the rest of her existence. Or it might be when a child's being bullied and that kid is tired of getting his head kicked in. What are they going to do about it? How much defense are you going to give them? My point in saying all this is it develops you as a child. It develops that strength and that inner conversation, that self-talk that will take them down the next path of their life, whether that'll be positive or negative. When the bullying starts and the girls start talking shit and all the drama starts happening in high school, what voice is going to be talking? Is it the voice that says, I'm too fat, I don't fit in, I don't look good, I don't look like every other girl? Or is the voice, fuck around, find out? That's it. I like who I am. I'm happy with who I am. Who would you have speaking to your 16-year-old girl in their head? Because I'm telling you, martial arts will make sure that it's the fuck around and find out conversation, not the one that's, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat, maybe I should stop eating, maybe I should change to a boy, maybe I should be called this, maybe I should do that. So I think martial arts should be mandatory. Now, in saying that, there is a You're reason why I, there is a reason why I stopped martial arts though, too, right? And that's because there are still people in the world that prey on other individuals, right? And sometimes not every grown adult has the best at heart when they're around young children. So I do understand things happen in this world. But I wish that more parents would put their kids in martial arts. We would have a better generation that wants to try for itself, work harder for itself, have better self-worth, self-conversation, and feel safer in this very, very growing uh, landscape of whatever this world is turning into. So I think I, you're never too old either, right? I think that grown adults should be doing it if only to get them moving, to show their kids that they can be more and be better and try something hard. Um, I know that most people won't go and sign up to get themselves choked out uh, because that is scary for others, but I think it's necessary. And knowing your boundaries and your lines and your limits is important as a human being. I hate that part in the story where you said why you stopped. Mm -hmm. I hate it too, because I didn't have a plan to like go to college or um, do some profession. I never thought about anything but Taekwondo for most of my life and about that Olympic path. I didn't, ha I had an athlete path. That's it. Nothing else, no nothing else mattered until it was all taken away. So it's how you choose to kind of come from that. And unfortunately, I was lucky enough that I had enough people that kind of saw how bad that got. And we're able to kind of drive it into a different direction. Another aggressive sport just wasn't Taekwondo. What was the next one? Uh, after that was rugby. I did that really, really competitively for like four or five years. And I loved it until I tore my eyelid off. And then I was like, maybe I'll take a beat. And then uh, after that, it went into moto. And then it went into downhill. And that's pretty much where it stayed. And now it's kind of back into things that don't give me concussions as much. So triathlons, road biking, like really running, um, pushing the boundaries from that perspective. And then hopefully soon just switching over to, I'd like to do jujitsu, but I don't have a collarbone and my shoulder's not attached. So there's a little bit of a, we got to work on a pathway to make that work. How come you don't have a collarbone? A uh, crash and whistler on a downhill bike. Oops. Uh, yeah, misdiagnosis was really what it was, but yeah. I would love it if you did jiu-jitsu. I am sure 
that there's someone who can, I, I'm sure that there's a path. I mean, in reality, there, the path for, I have no doubt that you can defend yourself and you like even just your ferocity. I don't think you're, you don't, nothing about you screams. Yeah. You can take advantage of me, but. Oh, I'm uh, a problem for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> I, I can feel, I can feel, I came on your live the other day and I was like, like, I don't even remember what I said, but it was like, it was like whatever, whatever button I pushed, it was like, you hit that button. You know, Whoa. <laughs> Like, that's how that's i like, always am that's like the turbo button i'm like this is awesome and the button we, lives there oh. that was actually that was, that was actually funny because you were like closing out and then we i don't know how long we like screamed at each other or screamed at the world <laughs> or whatever we were doing that's our mental health monday people love that shit i loved it too and i i was it was funny because we were like up on the balcony here and then like, you're you were yelling about something <laughs> i was starting to yell about something and i like forgot that i'm like just i'm like there's people inside and I was, well, I was like, good for people to hear man it's good for people to doing? hear i don't know i just she said to come talk and we talked for like three minutes really intensely it was great yeah that's how that's how most of my interactions with individuals go they're like oh that was that was too much and nobody needed that at 8 a.m that's always yeah. the best that's why i do that's them good. early cold shower yeah shock your system yeah. a little bit but yeah. how did you get into jiu-jitsu what was the catalyst point for you on that um so so every guy like oh well i'm gonna say i'm gonna speak for every guy based on what i've observed and i've cool. observed it for many years and i've lived it myself but i remember being in an mma um at an mma event and you know the cage is there and it's like a, it's a small town thing it's a friday night fights kind of deal and one of the guys in there and one of the guys was in there and he was a dude that i he was a couple of grades older than me or grade older than me or whatever but he was 155 and i had just gone from whoa uh, you know there was there was bodybuilding back in the day right and we sort of uh, like if you've ever I have this tattoo that looks like two penises oh my god i can't wait to see it oh it does look like two penises but it's like arm wrestling yeah, one's black, oh. and white. Wow, that looks like two penises for sure. Oh wow, if you guys aren't watching that, that you're doing yourself a disservice. You can come see it uh, in in person. So Danny got it as well. Danny's black, and his doesn't look like two penises as much as mine. <laughs> it's the sleeve at the end of the arm. Yeah, you know? like is this this perfect tip, especially the one in the red shirt? Oh. Anyway, if we we got Ooh. that. You know, the world started, yeah, sorry, do I give you a minute? No, go ahead, you're good. That's right. Um, um, well, those are from this scene in, in Predator. Okay. Predator? No. Hey, Dylan, the CIA got you pushing too many pencils. You son of a bitch. And it's flat hands, you know, and that's what the, that's what the thing is. And it's this this i don't know what the dude's name is it's arnold and this black dude and they're best friends and you know they meet up to fight the predator and they're both just jacked anyway at some point when i and i watched that when i was a kid and i was like dude arnold's freaking jacked dude right. you know and we're like that's what toughness is like if the more jacked you are the larger your muscles the more you could kick another dude's ass and most of us sort of live with that 
right? Like we're like, that's the, that's how mm -hmm. you know, right? So, so that, and as well as like, okay, but yeah, but I can sprint real fast, you know, or, you know, I'm fast or I'm like, my reflexes are good or whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. They have no idea how they would do in a fight if they hadn't been in a fight, but they use these other, the, this is what we use. This is the, the, the rubric we're using. It's sort of like the food pyramid, right? Someone just kind of, someone made it and we're like, that's what it is. So we're like, so a lot of us live like that. Well, I had just lost a whole bunch of weight. I went from like 220 down to 155. Woo, how'd you do that? I, I, so it's a funny story. My, my little cousin who is like this, this big next to me, uh, <laughs> he came back from Marine boot camp, and I'd always, you know, I always felt like he was always like my dude, like we kind of grew up and I would help lead him in things and he would help get me into trouble. He, he was like, he grew up on a ranch, you know, and he was just like an outdoors kid. And I lived in town, but I would mm. go out there and be like, he's like, he's like the type of guy who's like, um, how do I tell a story? I don't know. He just like, wasn't afraid to like of dirt you know, yeah, like he's a farm kid. He's a farm kid. Yeah. Just like he would like eat stuff that like, it was like not, you know, his mom, my aunt, she would like, you, you ever seen that movie or that the, you ever seen scary movie? Mm -hmm. where, like, he reaches in the mashed potatoes. And yeah. Starts yes. up, you know, yes. with a strong hand, you know, she was kind of like that, you know, she's like, okay, oh, here, just eat this and look, let me, you know, stick out your tongue. And I'm always like, yeah, there's like a lot of, you're like, you licked your finger, then you put it in the food, and then you like, you know, wiped my face off with your finger, like spit on your finger, and yeah. like all this stuff. So, so he helped make me tough like that. And hopefully I helped in some ways as well. But I always felt like, you know, he's my little cousin. Like, I got to be a leader for this guy. Then he came back from Marine boot camp, and he's, he's just, you know, fit and in shape and looking good. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I got to where I could run. Um, you know, three miles in 23 minutes or something like that. He's a big kid. You know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, cool. So I just kind of took that. I'm like, I, you know, I decided to play punk rock, you know, mm -hmm. play rock and roll and go down this. Like, I just wanted to tour. I want to live in a van and play punk rock music for the rest of my life. And, you know, scream at things that I don't believe in and, and celebrate with my friends and die laughing. You know, that was my, my thing. And I was like, I'm sure I could do that. So I went to the YMCA, just like my own, like, I just got to prove it to myself real quick. I went to the YMCA and I bought a one, one pass thing. And I went upstairs and okay, three miles in 23 minutes. I'll just run at a seven minute pace. Then I'll finish at 21 minutes if my calculations are, you know, appropriate. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, like actually like the, the treadmill will do it for me. And if I get a little tired, I'll, you know, I'll, I got two minutes to spare. But I just put it on. I just have to stay on this thing. So I start running at a seven mile, seven minute a mile pace. I got like not a quarter mile, like you know, things at point one five. <laughs> and I had to go like sit in the locker room, like, <laughs> like you know, ran. And then I like had a headache and like felt like <laughs> such trash. I felt like I was gonna barf. Felt like I was gonna poop. You know, I was just like, oh no, man. Uh, and I weighed myself, and I think I was like two eighteen something at that point. And I was like, okay, well, it was just one of those wake up moments. It was one of those like, okay, I thought that I like, I'm sort of like, obviously I'm in better shape than, mm -hmm. you know, like, obviously I can, I can do that if he can do it. 
And I went and figured it out. And I think that's like the thing that people won't do. They don't actually go find out. They don't actually go like actually test this thing. You know, in theory, this will hold this much weight. We'll put that much weight on it. Yeah. See, you know, and um, and so I went and tried it, and um, I failed. <laughs> you know, it's not even close. I didn't even run one mile. Uh, but for like the next six months, I was on that treadmill every single day. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do four miles no matter what. I don't care how long it takes me. If I got to walk, whatever. I started, I had no idea how nutrition worked, you know, mm -hmm. no idea. But I was like, well, I'll eat oatmeal and okay. I'll eat a lot. I'll eat oatmeal and like, you know, protein and I'll eat a lot less of the food, you know? <laughs> and it's like, that was my thing, you know? I just did that. And, I, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm eating less and I'm working out more and losing weight. And then I lost weight and I lost weight. And then I started you know, reading and learning about mm -hmm. macronutrients and, and energy balance. And I'm just like reading and I'm trying I'm, everything I can do. Like when I get hooked on a thing, when I'm like, I'm a dog on a bone, I'm like, this has to happen. I have to get, mm -hmm. to where, I need to get to where I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to run three miles, you know, and I'm going to freaking sprint three miles, crush three miles. Right. And I've just, and, and, and in that, like, I forgot about the point in the beginning, the goal, you know, I said, like, I'm going to crush three miles. Well, eventually it was like, no, I just want to get, be as, as, as good as I possibly, I fell in love with the process mm -hmm. of becoming better. And I loved being like, I remember, I remember at one point, like looking in the mirror and like kind of flexing my abs and like, yeah, I think I can see abs. But there's sort of this weird triangle thing. Yeah. You know? it was like, I was like, oh, I can kind of like, there's like some shape there. I think I'm good. I have apps. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, and it's just amazing to think back to that dude. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward. I got in really good shape, right? Where I could run a lot and I was lifting <laughs> weights and I was doing like the Bosu ball things and I was doing these balance drills and I was doing everything I could possibly do to like what I thought was this will make you in good shape. But then I went, then I was at these fights. And then this dude was fighting. I was like, oh, I could for sure take him. This this is sort of the next thing. Like, I could for sure take him. And then and he uh they were like, hey, his fight dropped out. If there's anybody who's around 155 who wants to come in, you know, he's six and oh, he's like the champion around here. Um, who could take him? I'm like, dude, if that dude's six and oh, I think I could probably be like 50 and oh. And I could oh, like Jesus. I could definitely take him, right? And they're like, I don't know, he wrestled in high school. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I grew up the skate park we used to fight you know like and so like well anybody take and i was like i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna do it you know i think i should do this oh, i no. just need some shorts and whatever and then this other kid lane who i love to death lane is a, a whole nother story but he <laughs> he, he was already up there and, <laughs> and he he's this crazy kid lane is like he's a musician and now he's doing he's doing really cool work where he's just like he's he's fighting trafficking and he's oh and nice yeah really really cool which i'm i'm very interested in and anyway he's a he's a fan so he gets in there and they give him the gloves you know and they give him some shorts and he's like okay cool <laughs> he goes in there and at the time like hardcore dancing was a thing you know at, at like okay emos, you know where they yeah their arms around and he was that kid so he's like i remember those hardcore dance and like sometimes i accidentally clock a dude and like they tell me i hit him really hard like as if like that's sort of like his logic for like and that's i think so he went in there and he just like starts windmilling punches and killing like double legs him dumps him on his head starts mounts him starts punching him in the face and he taps out immediately he's like i didn't want to 
having my nose broken. He was going to hit me in the nose. I didn't want a beak nose. He right. thought like hitting the nose, like his nose like turns into another type of nose. <laughs> so that happened. But I was kind of like, I was like, man, I got robbed my opportunity, you know? So, and he was like, hey, this was a short fight. I'm going to be back in the gym Monday training for my next one. Looking forward to seeing you guys. I'm like, okay, I'll go in on Monday just to prove it to myself, you know, that I obviously I can beat him. So I go in on Monday and I'm like, um, another, there's like a lot of different stories here, but another buddy of mine, caveman was living with me at the time and he was an MMA fighter at 205. So I just went in with him and, uh, and I'm like, okay, cool. And then eventually it was my turn to go with Kellen and we were just doing grappling. And I'm like, okay, cool. Just, just beat him and then we can go home and never think about this again. And he immediately threw me on my head and mounted me and i'm like okay and i'm like put trying to you know shove him off of me and he gets yeah. a what was i'm sure not a very good technical arm bar but i didn't have a clue what to do then he started to bend my arm I'm like oh that hurts pretty good but I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely not gonna lose to this guy hang on let me get out but i have no idea like you know i just no idea I can't even think about it now because, you know, I do jujitsu, but like, I don't know what I thought I could do. Right. Then I heard my arm start going. Oh no. And I'm like, oh, I, I, I guess I tapped and I tapped, you know, yeah. and I'm like, ow. And I'm like, okay. That hurt a lot. I think my arm's broken, but that wasn't really a lot. I don't know what happened. I don't know. I went through this moment where I'm like, I don't know how to process this. Right. You're just lost. Right. You just like really, really clearly the thing you thought you were and the yeah. thing that you just proved to yourself you actually are are completely different worlds you either have to shatter that world and come into this one which is actual reality and truth that's mm -hmm. going to be uncomfortable your arms broken you know your arms just got messed up and you suck at jujitsu and you can't fight mm -hmm. or i go back to like no i'm in really good shape dude and not you know i'm sure i could fight if i needed to like dude if i if i see red bro it's go crazy, man. Like nobody could, I, I would just bend him that whole arm back, yeah. bunch him off of me, you know? And that's where so many people exist. Mm -hmm. They exist in this place, especially when they're the bros at the gym and they got the biggest arms, dude. And they're, you know, they more plates, more dates. I'm like the man, I, I move the most weight. I do mm -hmm. the thing. I got better tattoos. I got a whole beard. I'm a scary looking dude based on the movies I saw in the nineties, you know? Mm-hmm. And when they go and they face that moment, I've seen it a million times. One dude came into the gym one time. And he was the, he's the most jacked dude in town, you know, super jacked. He had that tribal, tribal mm -hmm. sleeve you know, that the tough guys have mm -hmm. and massive arms and, you know, whatever. He curled 6 billion pounds and he came in. I'm like, Hey, why don't you roll with Lance? Lance was this kid who was about 130 pounds soaking wet. who was like kind of socially awkward, nervous, you know, but he was getting a, pretty savage triangle had long legs i'm like yeah. why don't you roll plants and he's like i don't want to break this dude i don't know what to do i'm like i don't know just try just try to kill him you know yeah just <laughs> overall try to kill him see what Basically, happens if you try to kill him and he'll try to kill you and i don't know i guess we'll see you know and he just right. immediately got strangled and like you know it took, took 30 seconds of like completely holding his breath and trying as hard as he could and lance is terrified obviously because he's got arnold schwarzenegger on top of him but he's like i i know how to do a triangle so he slaps on a triangle and locks it in and squeezes his head and he was like yep laying there for five minutes and he left yeah like went back to the gym 
because yeah. that's where his ego can survive. So you either have to go through this small death, this ego death, and step into truth and start building from truth, which the truth is like, you're not the thing you thought you were until you test it. That's right. And I think that's okay. I think well, that's okay to go and test it. And I think we all should test it. Yes. It should be encouraged. Failure should be encouraged because you can only go and try something and fail at it for so long before you decide, I'm not going to fail at this anymore. That's what's up. That's it. Yeah. It's, it's not that difficult. And I would like to see more people do jujitsu. I'm glad that you've incorporated that into your life as like one of your tools because it's great for your mental health, but it's also great for community building. And it's great to know where you stand in this world. And I think that's quite all right. It, and when you roll over, you know, jujitsu is a language. So yeah. when you go to a place and, and it's a meritocracy, it's not a thing you can't walk in and, and, and you go into, into, into any jujitsu gym. And there might be lawyers rolling, doctors rolling, and that scumbag dude who just hangs out on the mats and doesn't care and kind of stinks and doesn't take great care of his mentor, his, his hygiene, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, like you have all these people and they come together and they're actually having a conversation in a sense, like they're all speaking the same language. And all of a sudden, all of these, um, all the all the preconceptions of what is a successful person or what is a better person than the other person they all fall on merit you know they right. all fall on something that you have to learn you don't accidentally learn jujitsu especially not at a high level so then when you go to somewhere else you sort of can immediately have a card that you, mm -hmm. where you go hey i've gone through the same thing you've gone through or like you know you didn't get here you know when you're purple belt brown belt black belt you don't get there you can't and, and you have to roll you know, like you go roll and they're going to find out. So like, yeah, belt covers two inches of your ass. You cover the rest. And, and they know, they know who you are. They know what you've been through. So all of a sudden, like, yeah, you can come hang out with us. You're invited to this thing because I know who you are. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's very hard. You know, they talk about like, people talk about uh, what's the new, the new hype is the social credit score. Oh, you mean the one that they have in Italy and China? Yeah. 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 So there, um, you sort of have that thing, if you, if you can roll, you know, you sort of have right. this thing that is like immediately checkable that you control that these other, you know, the, these other guys understand. Right. And it's cool. You can show up and, and they're like, yeah, you too. Cause you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be able to do this if you hadn't gone through this and you wouldn't go through this unless you were this type of human who, right. who was willing to go suffer these ego deaths of going, I'm sure I could outrun. I'm sure I could run three miles in 23 minutes. Let me get, mm -hmm. let me put it on the treadmill and find out. Bam, ego death. I'm sure I could win this fight. I'm in great shape. I'm really healthy. My muscles look nice. Bam, ego death on a bar, you know, and you can either answer those ego deaths by living at the top of, of the lower level, or you can step into the rock bottom of the next one up. Mm -hmm. And if people would realize that stepping into the rock bottom of the next one up, this always being a student, this constant growth is a better way to live your life than to settle in this place and shallow into the pool with a bunch of piss water, with a bunch of other people that say it's cool to be here and let's drink on the weekends. I just think life might be cooler for them. I can't, I can't agree with you more. And I don't know that I can end that any better. I think that uh, you're, an, you're a very fascinating human being that we'll definitely be having on the show again. But I think there's so many things that you said throughout this podcast that 
hopefully, and which I know for a fact, somebody will take some of these tools and they will implement them in their life because you're just being honest and open about what it takes to become the person that you should become, which is somebody that strives for the best, lives a life that's worth dying for. And, and you truly do embody that go fast, don't die mentality. Thanks, Kelsey. You're welcome, dude. You're welcome. Where does everyone find you? Because you have a lot going on that I think uh, is worth people paying attention to. Um, yeah, you can you can find me on Instagram. You can find me running around out in the world. That's where I would prefer you to find me. People should just spend less time in general. <laughs> it's it, like I don't want to. I, I know we're I know we're signing off, but um, it's such a this is this is something that I maybe we'll, we we put on for next time. Instagram, social media, mm. it's like this wild thing where like, I think I'm stepping away from this constantly. I think I gotta, I gotta, I gotta move out of here. Like, I don't think this is great for me. And then you're like, I left everyone behind. You know, like you do that. You're like, ah, I left everybody else behind. Like, I need to go tell them, you know, and then you, <laughs> but you have to get back on to go tell them. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's like, it's just like, yeah, follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is Brady till death with one L T I L death. And then there's go fast. Don't die. That's just go fast. Don't die. Um, but also like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. Cause I'm like, don't go on Instagram more. Get off. Instagram. I know I, before we, um, before we started, I was in the middle of writing a chapter and I specifically was ranting about Instagram about the pros and the cons of it. So I think that there's, there's a lot to that. And that's a whole hour conversation, to be honest with you, totally. that we can get, we can get in next time and we'll do it in person next time. We'll cut, I'll come down there and we'll, we'll link up and we'll get it rocking and rolling. Cause I think uh, it's worth uh, a part two. And I think most people will agree, but they will go and find you everywhere. Go fast. Don't die. You have your website, go fast. Don't die.com. I'm assuming that's what it is. Yep. Perfect. Yep. So that's where they can get all your really cool gear, all the things. If they don't want to follow you on social and stay off of social media, that's the website to go to. And if you so, do want to stalk him on social media, he does have a good follow. I do highly recommend it. Um, if you're looking for motivation, it's, you know, it's, it's something that should be uh, in your scrollable feed. If as, if, is that how the cool kids say it? I don't know how the cool kids say you it. You are the cool kids, Kelsey. So if you say it that way, then yes. I think if people are going to go to the Go Fast, Don't Die website, please, before you look at products and what, what you can buy and go read, there's, a, there's an article on there I put up and it's what don't die means to us. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you, you go and you see this cheeky saying, but if you read that article, real, it's a real quick read, less than it's a two minute read. If you go read that thing, um, there's a poem that's on there and it really is what don't die means. Go Fast kind of has its meaning, but don't die means this other thing. So Kelsey was freaking awesome to be on the podcast thanks for having me i think you are a fascinating individual i feel like i'm definitely podcasting up i don't know what how i belong here but bert does have a podcast studio in sheridan and they got that i see you with your mic and i love those mics because it sounds like i'm the coolest you should come down hang out and uh let's do another one don't worry i plan on it my friend i will see you soon everyone else that's been brady from go fast don't die we'll see you all next week